Welcome back, everybody, and thank you again for tuning in. We have some new things coming your way, but for now, be sure to find us on all social media platforms. We're on Twitter during matches and send Premier League updates, too, but we're always down to have a chat with fans all over the globe. We're also on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and run our live shows on Twitch. Click subscribe and join the conversation when we record. And as always, let us know what you think. The beautiful game is for everyone to enjoy, so keep us posted on what you want to hear more of. Now, let's have a beer. Howlers podcast number 140 Are you good? is now live. Did anyone just see that? What happened? He couldn't open his beer? Yeah, in the, <laughs> face he, in the face he had on. Well, it was just insane. As, as long as it doesn't end up all over the table, I'd consider that a break off. A they success. got a different style McKenna, tap. Are you oh, serious? No. <laughs> I got it. What do you mean? We're good. We're chilling. Andrew, why don't you get us started? Because that one's pretty cool. Yeah, so this is the Trinktish Table Lager. Um, Trinktish is a restaurant in the town of Belmont, mm. not too far from us. And it is brewed by True North, which is in Ipswich, Massachusetts. And this is their house beer. Um, a little collab action. A little collab action. So um, big, oh. b- big <sighs> beer hall. And so if you're in the, in the area of Massachusetts and you like German food and, and craft beer, that's the place to be. So I highly to recommend. Stop in and see. what. Uh, remind me of their names. Uh, Suzanne and Kate. Suzanne and Kate, shout out to you both for providing... Uh, Greater Massachusetts with some really good beer, yep. Connor. I thought maybe for a second you had somewhere better to be, uh, but you're yeah, back did, now. Actually, you're just getting your way too small beer glass. Yeah, I got to see this stuff, man. I got to see this pour. You know, typical, typical. Well, you've beer had that stuff. before. I before you sheathed it, I saw but it was Mortalis. This is one of the ones that I think you and Jalen drank on the previous yeah. episode. We yeah. messed that one up a little bit, <clears throat> just a little bit. We didn't do Mortalis justice. Uh, yeah. There is no, a way to pour it. Kind of drink. And oh we yeah, didn't, we didn't do it. Jalen right. had the like. Oh, the, be careful uh, with that one, dude. Jalen had it's like gonna, the no, it's, one. it's gonna go up. It's gonna go up. It's going up right now. It's dude, literally it's rising, steadily Ooh. rising. Put dude, your lips on that. That's no right. joke. Whoa, 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 That's buddy. no joke. We ruined a coaster because of that. Who's, I, this, uh, who's this? We you ruined a coaster. <laughs> it's now oh. a purple coaster. We come in for. I went Allagash White. Shout out Connor Wall for hooking me up. I've been lacking lately on my beer pickups on the way here, but luckily the guys are. Uh, you know, this is a house full of four dudes. You're going to be able to find a beer in a couple fridges. <laughs> Algash White, Belgian-style wheat beer. Always really good. Thank you very, very much, Connor. Gotcha. I've had it before. It's good, tried and true. Can't go wrong. It's a great beer. Really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget, you got to flip it, right, Andrew? Yes. Uh, like, I, like, I, like I told him the other day. Flip it now? I opened it. I'll make a mess. You're kidding no, me, No, no, right? I flipped it for you. No, oh, you're okay. kidding me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Kid didn't believe me. Gotcha. Jalen, is it, is it as skunked as you thought it would be? No, I think it's just... I think it's just, just terrible. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's, just, uh, it's not I'm drink, summer anymore. Yeah, I'm drinking a summer ale. I was a little low on alcohol. I have nothing in the fridge. It's 30 degrees Sam outside. Sam Adams summer ale in November. Yeah, it's, maybe, it is getting cold. Today was definitely maybe brick. Maybe like drink hot chocolate on the pod one time, you know? Just yeah. Spiked. Yeah, maybe we'll do that. We'll do some... Uh, we'll make some hot toddies. We made hot toddies. Oh, yeah. Some whiskey in us. Yeah. What the hell's a hot toddy? I actually don't know. Whiskey. There's like some, lemon in it, lemon. and you stick cloves in the oh, lemon. That sounds there disgusting. Might be a, I don't know if it's a simple syrup in it or if it's honey. You put some syrup, or you put honey in it. But yeah. what's the one with hot cocoa in it? Uh, no, that's not a thing. That's not think. a thing. Yeah. It's a warm Maybe toddy? A mudslide or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mudslide. Started the podcast. Right. I didn't even do points. Whoa. Oh. The now you don't speak. have to say them. 
The winner this week was Andrew. You had nine, right? Jesus, oh. my vision sucks. Tristan and Connor, six, and Jalen, seven. Sorry, that was out of order. That was completely messed up. The, the fuck was that? You just had me so disappointed that I, I, know. I did so ass. I know, I know. I, like, threw you in at the end. So, Jalen, you were second this week. Well done. Connor it's honestly and I. a decent week for the boys. Holding up the caboose. You have no shame, as Jalen likes to say. Yeah. Six is bad. Two is, I mean, abysmal. Like, I don't even know why I showed up this week after getting two last week, but or two weeks ago it was, rather. But, guys... I think we should try to, like, we got to get, get a little bit better here. We got to start to fix our know, picks that's up. Pretty good. I know it's hard to say, but I feel like we were doing better before. We'd have we had at least good, two people in double digits each yeah, week. Well, we started this season really fucking bad. We were at, like, two, three, like, every every game. Yeah. No one's gotten worse than two, though. So I so far have the nice. worst score of any week. <laughs> we should do World Cup. We'll see what happens. That's hard, though. That is really hard. But I'd be down. Exciting time of year. Unfortunately, we are now officially in the World Cup break, which means no more Premier League. No more. But that didn't stop Ronaldo from dropping potentially the biggest bombshell interview that we've seen from any player, I would say. And for the record, Lukaku, that's that's up there. But (laughs) for the record, the full interview is not released yet. Uh, Enough of it has to make some pretty serious waves. But I guess first and foremost, coming from a United fan, and not to unpack everything, but what were your initial thoughts when you heard the quotes that were making the rounds in terms of the facilities, the players, the management, things like that? So initially, I think like any fan would, or maybe not every fan, I, I think I was a little taken back. I was definitely like, why would he do this? This isn't right. And then I gave it some thought over the last few days, and it's more like what he's saying is what has needed to be said for a long time and Ragnick kind of made rumblings of it last season. And I remember a lot of the English media were saying that he shouldn't be talking this much about what goes on behind closed doors. But in this case, for context, you mean when Ragnick was talking about the issues at United yes, for okay. context, you saw gotcha. Yeah. For the issues that are ongoing. And I think Ronaldo, I think the problem is that it's happening while Ronaldo's at the club, the situation that it puts Ten Hag in and so if you're looking at it from both sides, I guess as a United fan, you can you have more emotional attachment to the player, to the club, and it's, it's a little bit more difficult to separate the two. But what he's saying is real. It's been a problem for a long time, and it just comes at a time that I think maybe could have not been done at, at the moment. Like, it could have been done after he'd left the club. I, I don't think it... I think it could have been done then, but either way, it happened, and I don't think... It's so hard. I, I feel like it's... There's a lot of emotions. Yeah, it's a it, difficult thing to, it, to I, summarize in one sentence. Looking for sure. back on everything that was said, there were some things that were unwarranted. To get into that, I think stating things like he didn't know who Ragnick was is a little bit like shitty. Saying he's hotter than Wayne Rooney. Yeah, the, the Wayne Rooney comments, because I think Wayne Rooney has defended him and has always been that type of player to show respect to, an op- to, to a teammate and show respect to... I guess just football. Yeah, doesn't he punch him in the face or something like that? Is he in the bad that box someone, Rooney? No, he didn't punch anybody in the face. Rooney got in a boxing match with a teammate a one night when yeah. he was drunk, no, scored yeah. the next day, and then did a boxing yeah. celebration and fell backwards. But what I'm saying is, like, Rooney's never really said anything out of line, and I think Ronaldo has fair grounds to say things about the Glazers, about English media, um, about, he, about how he feels about Ten Hag. But I think it's when you start disrespecting him and saying he doesn't show me respect. Like it's that you're stepping bound over boundaries where I, th- I think it, it leaves 
only one way out, only one. I can't, can't even formulate words. It, <laughs> this had a pretty there's a profound effect on you. I can tell. There's, there's, there's only there's only one other option, which is to have him be removed from the club, which I think is going to happen. Now, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for now, yes, I think it is. But I, I'm not upset that he, he did. He said a majority of what was said, which needed to be said, which is about the Glazers, which is about the reality of the facilities of the club, which have been stagnant. They've been stagnant since Sir Alex has left. Gary Neville, who he took shots at as well, has been stating that for a long time now. Mm-hmm. The, the Old Trafford has a lack of investment in it. The Glazers care about marketing united if you want to call it that now not manchester united so overall bad timing but it's something that was going to come out eventually and i'm happy that it did come out at some point um just take a few things away from the the comments like i mentioned wayne rooney ralph ragnick and not and not showing respect to i think i think eric ten Hag. i'm giving ten Hag the benefit of the doubt that he did show respect to ronaldo in my opinion but you know that's that's only through his experiences, and I can't really prove that otherwise. So, Jay, you have a different connection to Ronaldo. He did play at the club you support for quite a long time. What were your thoughts when you heard this? Were you more pro Ronaldo? Is this something that surprised you? Uh, I'm like in the same boat as Andrew. It's like half and half. I mean, the the Ragnet comments I agree with personally. I don't think like wasn't qualified. It wasn't qualified at all. Mm-hmm. He wasn't yeah. qualified to true be a manager at. He was a sporting director. Mm-hmm. He wasn't, or whatever. I'm pretty sure he was a sporting director. Before. Yeah, he was a really good sporting director, not a good sporting manager. And it's not like <laughs> he, also, he, he was technically brought in to be a sporting director in like, and he was doing, bo- time, and he was doing you know? both at the same time. So and it's like, where is his priorities? And then he tried to like leave and be the Austria coach while being sporting yeah. director. At the, everyone's just like, what are you that's doing? Yeah, work. weird time. So like that stuff, I, I, I agreed with. Um, I don't know. I the Ten Hog thing I think is a little odd because it comes from a, a place as Ronaldo at thirty eight still thinks he's at that premier high level and I guess Ten Hog trying to balance it with the new squad he has and I don't maybe Ten Hog like can get fed up with Ronaldo and doesn't show him respect sometimes, but I don't think that Ronaldo is at the level right now to I don't think his body's at the level that his mind is, and while well, your mind mind over body, obviously, but I don't I don't think he has that twenty 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 five plus mm. in him anymore at mm. the top level to be an all and out starter every week. I know? guess to unpack each sort of quip by quip, and again, I will say the full interview has not come out yet. There may be parts of this that make him sound exponentially less douchey honestly you know there he there might be a lot that they might have taken the worst of the worst of what he said when i say worst the juiciest and that's what they wanted to sort of i feel like that's to promote the interview i would that, that would make sense to take it sort of quip by quip here in terms of the quotes that we have to work with right now the ten hog thing mm-hmm. very strange strange to say that ten hog hasn't showed him respect because i think just over a week ago wasn't ronaldo given the armband in a game he started yeah. pretty often yeah i kind of think ten hog is made actually from what I've seen and, and plenty of people maybe disagree with me quite a big effort to still make him part of this team and make him feel involved to Jalen's point. I think maybe Ronaldo hasn't quite accepted. He might not be the player that he wants to be or thinks that he is at least in this United side. Many United pundits have said they're not a better team when Ronaldo's in the lineup. They struggle to score goals. They've just not, they've looked better when he's not involved than when he has been. So when it comes to the Ten Hag respect thing, that was one of those ones that just seemed way uh, can strange. I make, and to, 
I guess the argument against that would be like him him bringing him on two minutes left at Manchester City, um, or it was at Tottenham. It might have been City. He, he walked off at Tottenham. He walked so. off at Tottenham, so that's what it was. Yeah, he walked yeah. off at Tottenham. Tottenham. Um, he walked off uh, in the preseason game. And so there's are there's arguments to be made that Ten Hag is showing him a lack of respect because of like him bringing him on or not bringing him on in certain moments. But that's back to Jalen's point, as in like just because he's a star player and he is this he is the goat or one of the goats in football, one of the greatest ever. That doesn't mean that's who he is right now. Mm-hmm. And the Wayne Rooney's comments said it best. It's like you have to respect the manager's choice and work hard and do what he's asked, do what's asked of you. And come on and make an impact when you're called upon. And I think that's what Ten Hag's been trying to do. Like you mentioned, working him into the squad when he can. But right now, Ten Hag is back. Ten Hag is now making Manchester United bigger than players. Because for a long time, since Sir Alex has left, a lot of players have been bigger than United. And I, that's why I disagree with the Ten Hag comments. And that's why I disagree with people that are saying that Ten Hag is showing him a lack of respect. I just think Ten Hag has done everything he can with the best of his ability to handle a player of his magnitude in a club that's already full of toxic like <clears throat> toxic leadership and, and maybe other players, and he's trying to work all those out. So it's mm. not easy. Yeah, and I, I think also, too, I guess a side note, you know, I'm not a huge Piers Morgan fan outside of the podcast, but how I feel about Piers Morgan has nothing to do with this conversation. But Piers Morgan is known as a figure who is known to wind people up. That's kind of how he's made a career largely is saying really controversial things, being involved in really controversial conversations, taking controversial standpoints. So I guess one of the things that did kind of bother me was that the fact that, and I know he clearly loves Piers Morgan. They have a great rapport. They seem to like each other very much. Strangely, it's so but weird. It's <laughs> so, it's the weirdest. All people that get along. I mean, it's, you wouldn't think it's those two, but it's really weird. Cause you, the questions he's at, they're very leading questions. Yeah. Piers Morgan is going, oh my God, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. This is a free, massive interview. He only trusts me. And of course, you're right. The questions were very much setting Ronaldo up for dropping these bombshell quotes. So I think the last thing in terms of the negative side of things was the timing of it. Uh, it seemed almost... Obviously, you're going into a World Cup, and you guys said there's a debate right now whether or not he plays again for United. There's no way he plays for United after this. But so. was this him making that solidifying that was this him making sure that he does not have to report back to United once the world cup is over. I think that might be it. And I think, I think he might go off in the world cup final. I I was, I think I was explaining it to maybe Jalen or Connor off, off camera and off microphone, but I think it kind of lifted some weight off his shoulders and how he was feeling about the whole situation. Cause this is something that's been coming for a long time and everybody knew that Remember, like, early on in the season, there was talks of him having a discussion with Sky Sports, and there was this interview coming out. I think he said, too, everyone said, in time will see yeah, what everyone, I'm... Exactly. So I think this is something that he's been trying to work out, and I think now that he knows he has freedom from, I guess, the, his situation at United, having shown the world what it is, I think he'll... He'll have some freedom in his style of play. Maybe, maybe that's you that saw him be. smiling in that picture with Delote, dude. That yeah. boy is he's, he's happy. He's, he's, he's the happiest yeah. man alive right now. And for context around Piers Morgan's side, he had some comments. This comes from the United Report. Um, they 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 quoted it from Talksport, who Piers Morgan was uh, was on like over the phone. But Cristiano asked me to do it. 
Simple as that. I didn't ask him. He asked me. He's been thinking about this for a while. It's no secret. He has built up deep frustration about what has been happening. He feels he has, has to speak out. He knows it will be um, incendiary. I can't even say this word. Incendiary? Yeah. Incendiary? Incendiary. With, will rattle some changes, but he also feels he should be doing this. He knows people will criticize him, but he also knows what, he has to, what he's saying is true. Sometimes the truth hurts. The World Cup is about to start. It gives him a month away from United, and it gives time for what he has, he has said to settle in. He can come back and resolve things. Um, Ronaldo, I mean, Manchester United also released a statement saying, Manchester United notes the media coverage regarding an interview by Cristiano Ronaldo. The club will consider its response after the full facts have been established. Our focus, our focus remains on preparing for the second half of the season and continuing the momentum. Beliefs and togetherness being built among players, managers, staff, and fans. So... I think this will be be a situation that's handled post World Cup, and and that's it. I think from now we won't really hear much. I don't think decisions decisions will be made until after the World Cup. I don't think anybody wins from the situation necessarily. Immediate reaction. I mean, United are able to now. They have a great excuse to do all use all means necessary to offload this guy, which is something they've needed to do the, the entire first half of the season. Probably wouldn't have was never an easy job, but, uh, and you know, I, I think about what's next for Ronaldo and while he still is a player who's able to deliver goals on a massive scale, he's still a player. You could potentially play a team through. I really have a hard time envisioning any other club that's in any good run of form, taking the risk on him. Now, maybe that was already something that wasn't going to change before, but you already have so much attention when you sign a player like that, that now it's going to double that when he, which whatever new club he's at, there'll be a lot more eyes on them, but for maybe not the best reasons, you know, he he's kind of made himself more of a risk in terms of purchasing than he would have been before in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I hope he goes to Spurs. To, to, <laughs> to, to that point, I, I would f- love that. He could play right back. To that <laughs> point, I also feel like maybe if he goes to a club that he doesn't have such emotional ties to, he'll be freed up a little bit because that's kind of the reason why he's saying a lot of these things is because he does care about the club. He does care about the fans, which I do believe, but I also believe he cares about himself first and foremost. So I think if he leaves and goes to a club that is willing to play Ronaldo week in, week out, and he doesn't really have that emotional connection, those ties, and it isn't as toxic as United. But is, is there? Do any of you have a club in mind you could realistically see him signing think, for and playing at in January? I think Italian clubs is probably where he'll end up. I think the football business is so desperate. I don't know. Maybe a German can they afford him? I mean, he's probably going to have to take a pay cut. Yeah, it also yeah. depends on how his world. He's going to have to take an everything cut. I, th- I think he's a man willing to bet on himself, and he comes out if he comes out and performs this World Cup like he damn well is going to earn the money that he's going to get. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there is someone that's going to take a risk on him, and I think a lot of clubs in the footballing world are kind of desperate for that marketability and that immediate cash flow that he's going to generate if they come to the club. Like, you'll have full stadiums all of a sudden. Like, you're going to be selling a lot of jerseys, and you can just, I mean, get any... Just being on his Instagram alone is going to get you crazy publicity and yeah. like um profits so i mm. think there are clubs that are kind of willing to take that risk and like we all know how corrupt football is so like <laughs> all those morale like all those wait um, it is yeah <laughs> all those like what 
<laughs> everything gets thrown out the window if Ronaldo's walking through your door on a Monday morning after the World Cup. I totally especially agree. Especially if he bagged five to seven goals. It's a good yeah. point. It's a good point. This interview becomes a thing of the past if he, you know, wins World Cup Golden Boot or Portugal does really well and he looks in really good form. But yeah. like you said, that's. I think going to be the only way now that he's going to be able to bounce back from this at all. Again, I think he's he's made himself look pretty poor largely while saying some very legitimate truths, and we can talk about that too. The facilities, the things of the interview that that most fans would say, yeah, I'm actually glad someone is finally someone with his following is finally standing up to say because largely that's probably true. And but, there's also the situation on his daughter um, for sure. When I think that, and I'm not saying there's truth behind that but him feeling a certain way about him sharing that to executives i validate like you kind of you kind of know that like sometimes in those organizations people don't really care about what's going on at home they care about the money coming in so if you like he's saying that he felt that when he told leadership within united they really didn't show respect or didn't really sh- they didn't really show and they like not believe him yeah they like ba- yeah, yeah he said like it felt like they didn't believe me so i've so i i feel like that's probably true like i do like i i believe that that's probably the case with with that situation um there's comments like that which which are completely not unwarranted and things that like that just shouldn't happen especially like when families involved um the facilities yes 100% where the clubs has been stuck in time. Um, Ragnick's selection. My comments for Ragnick were more so him saying he didn't know who he was, but I think the selection at the time was poor. The Glazers being marketing people. I definitely believe executives tried to force him out. I don't think Ten Hag did. I definitely think executives were involved in that. I think just from just from leadership above, like there's a lot of corrupt and money-driven people that saw Ronaldo as a quick way to get the money in, and now that it's becoming a problem, let's let's consider them expendable and get him off, get him off the payroll, and get money in for him, or save, or obviously get those wages back. So yeah, wait, what's his contract situation? Would he go on a free, or would you? I think he has another six months. He signed a two, I think he, he signed would maybe a buy out his own contract. Yeah, there's there's, yeah. there's talks of like terminating his contract, like people like yeah. saying that this will lead to a termination of his contract. <laughs> well, then then there's the whole lawsuit thing, which I don't even think we've really brought up yet. Is that United are considering legal action against him? I'm no lawyer. There's talk. I, I believe that there was a one million pound fine. It's on, like a slander type thing. Yeah, like if probably. the if if he says something about Manchester United and that something turns out to be untrue. And United suffers as a result of that, then they have some sort of Well Manchester United is a public company, right? They're publicly traded. I believe so, yeah. Are they? Wait, I'll have to look uh, that up. I don't, I don't know. know if they are. That's a really but good if question. That, if but that is, like you're not allowed to like Not just, to get too deep into the business just, weeds, yeah, but like just like as an ordinary employee, like <laughs> right. you're not allowed to share internal secrets with right. so on and so forth. But um But yeah, th- yeah, th- I don't know. It's a competition of brands. Like I think a lot of people are looking at it. Manchester United is the business they have to do. But, like, Ronaldo's business has been completely swept under the rug and shushed by Manchester United and their handling of him as an individual. And I think that's kind of why he's sticking up for himself and saying these things. Yeah. Like, he's still the guy that came out and was the lifeline for Manchester United last season. Like, he Mm -hmm. scored, what, 20-plus goals. On the, across all comps, like, and now all of a sudden, I think I think he takes issue with Ten Hag because Ten Hag, as much as like there's this conflict of respect, da da da. I think that becomes with 
I feel like Ronaldo is being told one thing by Ten Hag. Ten Hag goes and faces the press and says something completely different. Like Ten Hag came out and said Ronaldo is a part of the plan. Like he's one of the greatest. Like, dude, like if he's not a part of the plan, then say like we might be looking. Like I don't know. Just keep it transparent. Or we're working on things. We're figuring out what role he has. I I think part of that. I think that was truth. There was truth in that, but figuring it out was not completed or was never really resolved because he was becoming an it was becoming an issue for Ronaldo. He was walking off. He was not coming on the pitch when he's asked to come I, on the I pitch. Mean the when he was off, on the pitch, it wasn't no, fantastic. Yeah, and so I think he, he gave him the opportunity to play. and to and Not that much, though. He started about, he's, he started some Europa League games, and he's gotten some prem starts, and he's, he's scored a couple but, of times. But I, I think he's I, I think being told that, there's, tr- there's truth. Like, he told him that, and, like, I have plans for you, and tells the press, I have plans for him. And then the plans were implemented and they were never really executed on Ronaldo's behalf. Maybe they weren't. I think it's harsh to say they weren't executed. I mean, I look at your other strikers and guys playing through the middle of the park. I mean, not scoring boatloads of goals. What does Martial score? Like three goals this season? Martial has been very crucial in our link-up play, and I think that's something Ronaldo hasn't been able to do. Bruno plays better when Ronaldo's not in the squad. These are all things that are true with United. We play better without him. That doesn't mean we should make him expendable and, and force him out like... I don't think that's. I wanted him to stay. I still thought he was a part of the team. And my and my last. This is my last comment. The biggest thing I defend Ronaldo on, besides what already what's been shared, is the media stick. He mentioned how, and I think Pierce kind of validated this too. It was like everything that you, everything, everyone that talks about you gets eyes and ears, and that's something I talked about earlier on in the season. The English media. Media in general love to talk about Ronaldo in a negative way because it brings people to their sites, to their platforms. And I think that's what a lot of Sky took advantage of, BT Sport, whatever you want to call it, at least these different these different stations. These companies took advantage of the situation and talked about the number of different ways Ronaldo's becoming a problem. So I totally agree with Ronaldo on that front. And that's why he probably took shots at Gary Neville. And I think Wayne Rooney just... I think he just said something at the wrong time, and that's why he got grouped into it. But because <laughs> Neville's also kind of a prat, he so I don't he, mind him he literally said out. it a week ago, and I think that's when this interview, and then the interview got released, um, or clips got released this past weekend. So I think that's where it's coming from. But yeah, I mean, a lot was said, and there's more to be shared. Like we haven't even we're seen not the even close day. to the. I end think of the this context yet. is going to take the sting out of a lot of. What so we do I. Too. So do I. I think good call when you clip it's clickbaity stuff. It's it's. Sound Piers Morgan stuff. knows. What yeah, he's I was going to say when yeah. Piers Morgan is leading the charge, it can only mean so. Piers Morgan uncensored. Is what yeah. <laughs> it's like when is he censored? What's Piers right. Morgan censored? I, when is that show on? <laughs> Someone, Let me there, sign up. There was, there was like a meme of him like walking off a, a news set, and there was like in response to it. It was Meghan Markle being bullied, and he's like, "There's no such thing as racism or something like that." Not 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 verbatim. He didn't actually say that, but yeah. he was like, he just got up and walked yeah, off because everybody yeah. else was calling him out for being insensitive about the fact that she was yeah. essentially bu- bullied by the royal family. But Piers Morgan has no time for stuff like that. Uh, but it's stuff like this. I mean, this is kind of right up his wheelhouse. But yeah, far from the end because the World Cup is going to end at some point. And they're going to have to go into this. They're going to have to face this issue. You know, the, the break will be nice because hopefully it can kind of cool the waters a little bit. But this is going to be a problem in the month or and so. And you know it's going to come back up if Ronaldo does play well. You know if he's playing well. Oh, yeah. People are going to be asking a lot of questions to him, to the, the coach, to other players. They're already asking players currently on the Portuguese team. John Mario was asked about it. Um, he was like, oh, like this happens. All this Ronaldo is, it's Ronaldo. Like, this is nothing new. So... I think if he does play well, it's gonna it's gonna ri- it's gonna raise the conversation even more. So 
Um, I hope he has a good World Cup. I'm rooting for Ronaldo. I think he will. Yeah. I hope he does, too. Look, the Bruno high five, I get that. That, oh, got, that got blown up out of portion. Someone, it was a little weird, though. It was a little it weird. It was a Someone little bit weird. took a video weird. of him, Ronaldo, going up to Cancelo, and <laughs> Cancelo had beef with Ronaldo. Like, what's going on? Yeah, my, brother well, sent me, my brother sent me that, and he goes, this might be a stretch, but look at this. <laughs> well, it, the, it, full, the full video, if you see the full, like, Cancelo, like, Video like Cancelo's having like a terrible practice. Like he's mm. like already pissed off. Yeah. yeah. Basically, Ronaldo's just going up and like, and br- he's obviously pissed off, so he's not going to respond. But the, like the Bruno one though, again, I don't want to. I don't want to blow it up more. Sh- Bruno's also a little a bit weird. Like Bruno's a little. Mr. Man United though. Be- Bruno, uh, Bruno is the face of Man United when Ronaldo's not on the field, regardless of how shitty yeah, he plays. So, he's yeah. been that way since he got here. So, yeah. mm-hmm. if anybody in the lineup took what Ronaldo said. Maybe personally. a little bit personally, it would. I think it would be Bruno, and now Bruno thinks, "Fuck, I gotta. This guy's on my team. I gotta act like I'm totally, completely wow. fine with this." And while when the game starts, it'll be different. It is kind of shitty for me to have to now have camaraderie with this guy who's now openly shit on the club that I do love. Like, I do think Bruno loves it at United. So yeah, he loves I it. Yeah, I think he does. I feel like it's like, dude, it's Ronaldo. Oh, like I'd I'd still want to be boys with Ronaldo. You came <laughs> the, the, the picture of the low is the funniest. It's the most telling, I think. Well, so like if Bruno's an issue at Portugal, Bruno's going to see the bench. Ronaldo's not going to see the bench. Like it was yeah. like this Help thing. Your own case. It was just like thing on Twitter of Rafael Leao. It was like a fake quote saying like I like Messi better like than Ronaldo, <laughs> and and he quotes it and puts fake news, and then someone quoted that and said Brosar's World Cup spot flashed before his eyes. He had to make sure that was oh that was fake. God. I didn't say this. <laughs> <laughs> drama elsewhere in the league though i guess maybe not so much drama but a uh, big club is up for sale liverpool football club massive FSG. club a massive <laughs> massive you, club you guys decide to sell the club when you got matched up against us in the champions league you bunch of rats <laughs> valued at more than chelsea Just boys throw that out there save your pennies we can make a little purchase here i know we wanted to do a usl team think bigger than that <laughs> why not liverpool go premier league but uh, yeah, Connor, what are your what are your thoughts? Who's your ideal buyer? The ideal buyer, Musk. I think it's gonna be I don't oh. know Zuck. There's there's a lot. So there's a couple McGregor. <laughs> McGregor. Did, I saw someone commented on he'll need he'll need a consortium for that. But that's like yeah, anyone that any any singular athlete would need a consortium like LeBron James. LeBron. <laughs> he's part owner, but like then we could obviously have Bron branded. <laughs> You'd get stuff. the Bron kits. Yeah, we would get the Bron kits. The Bron kits. Uh, right. But he, he wear those be, big clunky cleats. Yeah, like they're the, his like shoes, but they're shoes. cleats. Nobody can play in them. Um, but yeah, so FSG has stated that Liverpool is up for sale. Um, and I guess that's not something new um, mm. for how FSG is operated. They took over the club in 2010. They purchased for $300 million, and it's now valued at anywhere between 4 to $5 billion. So their investment has increased. Pretty like, good business. Yeah, yeah, tenfold, they, like, word it mad weird. They're like, we're not like selling the club, right. but if anyone we're comes talking up, to buyers, so but, yeah, if anyone comes yeah. up to us with money, yeah, wink, wink, tough to say no. I'll take it. They're basically <laughs> testing. I think what they're doing is they're doing an evaluation and they're doing a. It's a full evaluation. They're open to selling the club in its entirety, which is not something that they've been open to in the past. Um, in the past, due to how FSG operates, we know them like investment. They don't really dump money into the club. Um, so they look elsewhere to find investors willing to come take 
minority shares in the club where they still hold ownership and then they can get things done. Um, so LeBron James, I mean, he bought what, like 2%, something like that mm-hmm. of Liverpool. And then just last year, um, it's a group that just recently purchased AC Milan in August. It's uh, Redbird Capital. Last year, they dumped 500 and I think it's 50 million pounds. Um, or like $750 million into Liverpool, um, which gets them 11%, but that's what allowed Liverpool to then expand um, the Anfield Road stand. Um, It's also money that can be used to make purchases for transfers. So that's something where like FSG has been open to doing business around Liverpool, but they've never been open to selling the entirety of the club, and that's a statement that they said they're willing to do. They're willing to sell all of... Liverpool, if it's in the best interest of the club and sees their success out, because they do care for Liverpool in this transaction if it is to go through. But, yes, it's an evaluation. Um, It might end where they still are owners of Liverpool and they just have new investment groups under their umbrella. Um, But there's a couple names kind of thrown in the hat as to who might be poking around already. It's going to be far different than the Chelsea transaction for obvious reasons. It's not going to be, there's no time crunch here. There's no necessity to sell. But one guy's name who's been thrown out over and over again um, is Mukesh. I think his name's Abembi or Aboni. I don't know. I fucking wrote it down and it's scribbles. So (laughs) um, I'll have to. That's good from you. But. He's the eighth richest man in the world. I think he's estimated to be worth $90 billion. Wow. He owns the cricket club or the IPL club. Mukesh Ambani, Ambani. Indian businessman. So it's an A, not an O. Okay. Um, but he owns the Mumbai Indians, which is uh, like a Premier League cricket club. And yeah, he was the front runner being just based on what he's worth. Um, but he, I think two days ago or a day ago, has ruled that out as... He didn't. A spokesperson ruled out of of his group ruled that he's not in the running to purchase the entirety of Liverpool. Another name was that um, Redbird Capital was mm-hmm. like, oh, they could be the ones to take over because they, I mean, they just purchased AC Milan for $1.3 billion, um, and their investment in Liverpool also allowed FSG to invest in like the Pittsburgh Penguins and mm-hmm. other franchises, but there's kind of a limitation that's going to come into play if Redbird Capital were to take ownership of Liverpool because UEFA has ownership conflicts within their competition. So the cha- like, if they're both in the Champions League, it's a conflict of interest for UEFA so that it's it's you're breaking the law or breaking the rules of UEFA if you have an owner that owns 100% of one club and a majority stake in another. Mm. So... Redbird Capital has to remain minority owners of Liverpool in order to allow both clubs to be eligible for the UEFA Champions League. So that's why I don't think they're necessarily going to be taking over Liverpool in its entirety. I think the deal itself, based on everything I've read, it's going to come... I think American investors are going to kind of come to FSG's side. I think they're going to kind of want to get into the business with them. Maybe it's a long-term transition that occurs and a long-term purchase, but it's going to be shares that are sold. Maybe it's 40% of the club. Maybe it's 60%. I don't know how that all works, but I think based on how 
FSG does business. It's so American influenced that that's what's going to happen. We see the all the Americans willing to get into football business. Obviously, Crystal Palace owners are American, and I think they bought like two other clubs in mm. different leagues. But I think I think that's how it's going to go. I think it's going to be American ownership still. I think it, it might be FSG for the years to come, and they're just going to get more rounds of funding or more, not rounds of funding because it's not a startup business, but like investment, more not investment, a, more shares, um, injection of funds from wealthy parties. Um, Bonnie is interesting. I like that he has a, he has uh, experience in sports. I know yeah. cricket's different, but the cricket market in India is massively massive, and that's a major cricket club that he was overseeing. Who is it? The uh, Mumbai Indians. Yeah, that's that's like maybe the most one of the most popular sporting teams in India. So, uh, it's I, I would I would like that. I like the idea of a suave Indian billionaire coming in and cleaning up, doing some business. Yeah, he's, he's five seven. So uh, there's that. <laughs> right. Whatever that's worth to you. He's sixty five. Got his best years ahead of him. I I think um, deep pockets. I think deep pockets. <laughs> would you feel like say I guess it wasn't. Cause he, you imagine it's being a slow burn of a of a changing of the I guard. Think it's just a massive evaluation that's taking place. So I think it's going to be unless they get exactly what they're asking for. Fenway is like we know they're. Would you so say they say they get what they set? What say they get what they they'll sell? No, say, say but I know, but like say they get it. Would you feel? How would you feel about that being a Liverpool fan? Obviously, the the way they do business has has shown you guys success. But would you be excited about new ownership in the in the sense that there could be? Um, I guess more injection into the the way things are done with like City, United, even Chelsea at the moment with American owners. Like, how would you feel about that with the, the with the prospect of American owners potentially taking over for I, FSG? Other I, American owners. I think it's more of a risk, which dulls my excitement. Changes your whole club identity. So yeah. I like the way, despite the lack of investment, we've discussed it. Yeah, we already um, discussed it. Yeah. I like how FSG operated because I think they have the right people in the right positions. The scouting department is obviously phenomenal. It's maybe the best uh, football recruiting football. we've ever seen. Yeah, and literally plain and simple, and that's an art. And I like being known as the club that has the ability to do that and go For find sure. these players um, because it's a lost art in today's game. Like City doesn't have to do that. They can buy whoever they want until it pans out. So that makes me less excited and with how... The Chelsea takeover wasn't the smoothest. It was more abrupt, but with how that's gone, they just throw money at the problem. Like, I wasn't raised to throw money at problems. You fix them yourself. You know what I mean? And also, so, none of those Chelsea problems are fixed. They've thrown a lot of money at them. <laughs> the leak is still happening. Right. The faucet is still fucked. Pardon my French. It's not working there, but yeah. I, I don't know. I, I totally see your concern where this guy, Mukesh, comes in, just hypothetically, or any any owner comes in and goes, no, no, you don't got to skimp with us. Tell us who you want. Come on, like let's mm-hmm. work with us. Pick five new players that you want us to sign. We'll go get them. Jude and, and Pedri coming in on the January transfer. Depends on oh. the players, though, right? Like, yeah, oh. bringing in a guy like Jude—that's smart investment all around. But you do run, you do play a dangerous game when you when you haul yourself into the city category, into now the Newcastle category, who yeah. we'll get to later. But it is it is kind of a scary prospect. But I would say from an outside perspective, you know. Things things change in the league. The landscape changes. Doesn't necessarily mean Liverpool will be worse. Just a new identity, you know. And you can say that you were around for the 
sort of smaller yeah. recruiting days where FSG got shit done behind the scenes really efficiently, success. didn't spend a lot of money, picked the perfect coach who put together the perfect team. So you still have those memories. Yeah, know? the gap is growing too. Like it's obvious that that's not going to work. You could use a future, few. So. You could use a big I, January. I, I also yeah. think FSG won't turn the keys over to someone that doesn't have the club's best interest at heart. And yeah. I think they mentioned that too. I, so. I, yeah, they, they explicitly stated that. And that's the biggest thing. I want Liverpool to keep its identity. Like Newcastle has kept their identity despite being that big, ownership group taking over and i mean whatever it is if honestly it, honestly they might i think they went for back, now they went back to their identity like little, with mike ashley yeah. they kind of had lost it and now they have an identity of like yeah feeding the club with like legit footballing so, minds yeah i, I think i don't think it's a bad thing or a bad place for liverpool to be in i think it helps keep us in the realm of manchester city and the psgs of the world um the barcelona's the real madrid's that the united's would Sir. put Tottenham there, but right, Tottenham. You, <laughs> you guys could use a no, new owner too. Hey, I'll take Mook Cash if you don't want him. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, um, I'll go to India my damn self, bring him back with me. But I, I definitely, I think, I would like American ownership just because I like how American sports are ran. Mm. Um, for the sake of like, we see a lot of these, and we've um, just lost every listener in the UK. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's that one the richest guy in the UK that's thrown into like every club sale ever, but I think he's a United fan. He's a United fan. Ack is the guy that keeps popping up. I know yeah. he's not American, but that's the Spotify guy who was trying to buy Arsenal like five different times. Oh, he's yeah. always been in the, in the tech. I want to buy a club <laughs> group. And it's actually a really good segue to talk about Newcastle. Cause that is the next topic. And it's interesting that we say they've sort of retained their, that Jordy feel, that towny they, they, they got it back. St. James is yeah. they got it Bouncing. back. A hypothetical I'd give you guys is they're in third right now. You you could maybe say they won't drop out of the top four the rest of the season if things keep going well. They should bring in some backup in January, but if they qualify for the Champions League next season, can Newcastle afford? And I don't mean afford literally, because obviously they can, but can Newcastle afford to keep that small club vibe? Can they afford to only go after experienced prem players? I know that they brought in a few big name guys since, but when you, they, when you could potentially be in a group with Madrid, you could potentially be in a group with City, You sometimes you can't bring only local players. They might have to make some big, big time purchases if they want to go where they're going, which is where it looks like they're going. Well, first and foremost, I don't think Newcastle is a small club. I think Newcastle are a very big club. I think they are a... If you think about Newcastle, they're a fishbowl club because they're literally the center of the town. They're like ingrained in the St. James's Park is like it's the city center. It's like not in the city center, but it's like that is the cl- that is the city. Newcastle. I guess I misspoke in small club yeah, club yeah. that finishes fifteenth. Yeah, usually. no, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, the club that has struggled to to get results. The club that used to compete for, with United for the league in Champions League at times. Can, first, can they get there? Will they get to the Champions League? They've lost so? one match this season. Yeah, I absolutely think they can get to Champions League and finish in top four. I, I'm as surprised as anyone because I was also a critic when they were drawing every game, the first like five games of the season, and at a really slow start. I was skeptical, but they are on a run and a half. Some form that club is in right now, and they're only going to get better. They're going to have a good January. Eddie Howe's going to be able to pick players that he wants to bring in, so I think they should prep for Champions League. I think fans should prep for Champions League football. That should be the goal. You? I think Europa League is a fair shout. 
Yeah. Maybe if Chelsea wasn't out in a down year, and this could all, the landscape in the second half could be completely Maybe. different. I understand that. But say Chelsea continues to struggle and they just sort of fizzle out this season. United has been up and down, much, much improved, but they could be a club yeah, that still, is still yeah. sort of on the cusp on the outside. If it, any other year when the, when the Premier League's been maybe been a bit more consistent and strong in the top four, probably not. But this season, I don't think it's out of the question. For I, I, don't think it, I don't think it's a crazy shot. I personally think that um, they will float around top four. And if they don't, I, don't think I, think, at wor- I think at worst, they get Europa League. <clears throat> what do you think? I think barring injuries, they'll, they'll still float up in the top four like area, but I do think they'll end up being in the Europa League. I think so. This is where I think quality players comes into play. Like, mm. not saying that United don't have quality players, but they don't have the quality players of Chelsea. They don't have the quality players of Arsenal, United, Tottenham. Well, they Liverpool. probably have better players than Spurs. <laughs> so. But just so, objectively speaking, but like they need, and it's not not possible. If that even makes that's double negative. But it's whatever. not not possible. I'm with you. Keep going. <laughs> so, but they need to play perfect to get to top four. So other teams don't have to play perfect to get to top four. They need Almiron to keep scoring goals. I don't know that Almiron can keep pace. Cal Wilson's an injury threat. He hasn't even been scoring goals, but if they lose him after a dense, packed, if England go deep in the World Cup, they do have the benefit that a lot of their players probably won't be going to the World Cup. Trippier's going to the World Cup. That's another key player. Botman's not going. Botman's not going, but I think... St. Max hasn't touched the field in... They, I wish no Spurs were going. I would love that. I'm so <laughs> jealous of Newcastle that none of those guys got picked. Those fans must be so ecstatic. Seriously, as a fan, set up some teams. United set up friendlies. United are playing friendlies through the month. Like I like it. That's that's pretty there's cool. this whole Holland the, thing going on. We can talk about that. <laughs> oh oh yeah, man, yeah. I've completely forgot we'll about that. that after. Sorry, Connor, finish your. Point. But yeah, I think I think you, like Newcastle United will have to play perfect to get top four, and I think the other teams' quality players will help them more than relying on Newcastle's play style to be pretty perfect through the remainder of the season. <laughs> January could be big for Newcastle. And, and you got to know Eddie Howe has a few players on his radar, all of whom they can afford. And yeah, if they stick to that uh, sort of not not massive name player regime, that can still help. But they could they also get another bring Rush, then yeah, they're, they're yeah. top four. They're, I think if you look at their... That's a marketable team. If They're going to start to be their, able to bring in a lot of players. I also feel like they played a lot of games at St. James Park if, in the if, first if you third look, of the season. If you look at the end of December into almost mid-February, they have Leicester when they come back, Leeds, two very winnable games, Arsenal, which is going to be very difficult, Fulham, which is going to be difficult, Crystal Palace, very winnable, West Ham, definitely winnable, Bournemouth, uh, it depends, Liverpool. So February 18th, they have Liverpool, which will be the hardest game uh, I, Arsenal, think, I think yeah. Arsenal will be the hardest game, but they could go what six, five, and two, six and two in that yeah, stretch. They, or draw. A tough match. I, I think if they get through, if they get, say they get, I don't know, six games or how many? How many games is that? One, six or seven. So they get, so they get five games out of those, like three points. I mean, I think they're gonna. I think if they get through February, if mid, they get, if they get through mid February, I think they're gonna make top four. They could. They, they'll be in contention for top four. This is all. Well, that's only solidified if they have a good January too. Again, like yeah, I, that's, I expect that's them get to the backup bolster backup. So then yeah. injuries aren't as massive a concern. Yeah. Still a concern, but 
that's like what that's the the difference between a lot of clubs. I want to know that, what Eddie Howe recruited players look like. Like I know he got Gamerat. Like he's made some good signings, but what do you mean? He's Bob Botman. He's his, no, I know, but like now it's starting to be like you have to go get creative players. Like you have to, you can't rely on your like they already they they have a sturdy their defense. They sturdy their midfield. It is tough to look at Working this side and creative think, players into a Newcastle side. Maybe another like, striker. If anything, I think Eddie Howe is known for his creative attacking football. He did it with Bournemouth. Yeah, but he didn't have the luxury to buy big name players. He did have the luxury, but now he does. Bring, and and, he, and it's he's no and I, and I got big to, name players I, bring personality. I got to listen to his high performance podcast, which was just released. It's fucking amazing. Oh, nice. I didn't I finish. That. I didn't finish all of it, but he talked about he took a big break from football after he. Obviously, got sacked, or I think he, I think they parted ways is the term they use. Mutual, mutual, yeah. mutual parting. But he talked about he took his time away from the game. He sat down with a lot of different people in, I think it was sport. I was kind of listening while I was working. But he's had a lot of time to reflect on how he used to operate with Bournemouth and what he's doing, what he has to do now. So I think kind of taking those lessons learned and applying them to a situation like Newcastle, which I mean, he even said I didn't even touch, I didn't look, I didn't. Oh, he was away from from football from a watching it aspect. He didn't go to any games, didn't talk to any media. Yeah, he. I think he is a the 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 exciting manager that he was with Bournemouth, but just matured. I guess I forget and, that they also have Isak. Yeah, Isak. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, same oh yeah, that's all, the whole, stri- right. the whole so striker I, thing. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely think the type. Jeez. I guess on the, on that point is like he's had a lot of time to reflect before he got into this role. And he's seeing, like, I was doubtful because it was the second half of the season. I was that, very doubtful. With, with Eddie Howe wow. of last season, it was the second half, and it was like, it was good, new manager, new investment, good times, let the good times roll on, which is great for Newcastle. But then once it got into even this part of the season where it's like mid-October to now November, there is a stretch of games where it's going to be difficult to pick up points just because it's a difficult time where, like, the new season's it's begun and it's exciting and then it kind of phases into this middle season and then it's the end of the season where things kind of pick up again and teams are struggling to get points and everyone's fighting for something. So I think he's in this stretch of games where it's going to be very telling and I think he's done a good job so far since it's begun. Obviously, investment's going to play a role. Obviously, those stretching games are going to play a massive role. I think by mid-February, if he's gotten those points, he's won those six out of ten games, whatever it was, or six out of eight games or whatever it was, if he's if he's gotten majority points over the course of eight games, they're going to make top four. They'll be in contention for top four. Just hopping around online to see who might be linked to who. Looks like Newcastle and Tillemans have had a few conversations in terms of interest. Musa Diaby's someone's on Newcastle's. Newcastle have held talks over Cristiano Ronaldo move. Don't know about that one. <laughs> well, that one might be a whole Newcastle load of bullshit. But Pulisic, is, Pulisic is actually like Pulisic. a legitimate he would fall. He would fall into the cracks of that club. You think so? <laughs> yes. Remember when I said he should go to West Ham and everyone crucified me? Yeah. You should I think, go to West Ham Well, <laughs> I said he would fit and win really well at a mid-table club, and Newcastle well, well, are so, no longer a mid-table so, club. So uh, we were talking. I was talking to Alan, and he even said he'd like to see Christian Pulisic at a club that shout out Allen box to box box to box. He said that uh, Pulisic would be great at a club where he is like the guy. Yeah, and that would be like a mid table. Got to stay healthy to be yeah. the guy. Got to stay healthy because <laughs> like at Chelsea, but it's like difficult because there's so many big names. Around. Yeah, and he's not getting enough games. But he played well against um, Newcastle. 
few good shifts. Yeah. Speaking of Chelsea, speaking of Pulisic, well, mostly Chelsea, things not going that great at Stamford Bridge right now. Uh, That's your manager, man. Look, I said this in the group chat. I am not enjoying the Graham Potter slash Cucurella sort of downslide. I'm not going to call it a downfall because that's a little bit too dramatic, but boy, are they in a poor run of form right now. A lot of unhappy fans, seemingly a lot of unhappy players, and it's just not come together for him quite yet. Maybe he, he deserves a few more windows to bring in some more guys he wants, but it's really, really tough to look at that Chelsea roster and say, I need more. That's what kind of Chelsea's all about. They're not afraid to bring in guys into an already crowded roster, but man, it's not not an easy team to manage. It's crazy that like it's not easy to make a mid season move like that. Like to just yeah. drop into a club. And a lot of players yeah. really out of form too. Cucurella's been really poor. Koulibaly, I've heard, has been not well he good just got at back all. from injury. He's actually was a solid defender. Awesome. But but like also like they are leaking goals. So like yeah. they're leaking a lot of goals. They're not playing great defense and they're he, not attacking someone, well. I think he's the their best turnout so far. By uh, the pick a play. Yeah, for sure. I mean Zakaria has barely even touched the field. So yeah. Sterling's been mid subpar. And I mean the whole the Aubameyang move now is like awful. Like I, I totally forgot you. It, it, it calls took like to, two weeks. For it, it, to it calls to mind. It like people were giving Arteta credit for shifting Aubameyang because they said essentially what Arteta did was remove the possibility of like a Ronaldo situation now or like a Lukaku situation at Chelsea. Like get rid of the talisman who could potentially go Tear completely rogue yeah. <laughs> and say, I hate everything here. The manager sucks. The facility sucks. Everything sucks. Interviews. I hate everything. <laughs> Help me. Kill me. Kill me. Uh, but Arteta sort of removed that, but that's kind of what I fear with Aubameyang. And Aubameyang's not going to give a shit what Potter says. That's something that I also fear with the I Chelsea mean, situation. I mean, he's starting over him. I mean... Yeah, he did. I would, he's I guess, making some tough calls, but I, I, I don't know. It, it's... It seems like knowing who Chelsea is that they're just going to get rid of him. But then there's also like the whole possibility of give him a few windows, give him an actual chance. But did Chelsea do that? Do they have time to do that? Not finishing top four for Chelsea would be astronomically bad. I think I talked about it. We talked about it when he was signed on that like, like, is he going to get the time? Like, is this is this an appointment for a quick fix or is this an appointment for like a legitimate long-term thing and not that Chelsea is that type of club but we thought with new ownership it would be Tuchel I understood like I understood them sacking Tuchel because it wasn't their appointment and they thought all right let's go with someone that is new and I mean things were going sour and there was obviously situations with Tuchel in terms of animosity towards one another it was just like a kind of a snarky back and forth thing but with Todd Bolt I mean with uh, Grant Potter it's like what is the game plan with him why why bring him in we don't and, know what Bowley's gonna do. And we don't. I don't know. We don't know. We don't. This is like his. This is his appointment, and these are players at their club that he like. He was the main director of football, like transfer head of the tra- head of transfers for Chelsea when they got removed a lot. When they removed a lot of their front office staff, so these are a lot of Todd Bowley's players. These are a lot of. This is um, the apartment of Graham Potter. This is his decision. So. This is going to be a very telling of what's to come for Chelsea under Todd Bowley, I think, in the next three, two to three months when the season's back. Yeah, I agree. Chelsea are in eighth right now, 16 points off Arsenal in first place. When was the last time Chelsea were 16 points off Arsenal at any point in the season? Under Mourinho. Must have 16, been, right? 16 points ahead, probably. Yeah, yeah for real. So it, it is interesting. To, to it's, it's almost impossible to tell. Is he going to 
get the opportunity or will they will they move him? But They're you have to look so at the coaching true. market. Whoever comes in is then going to have the same exact issues that Potter did. I have this embarrassment of riches, none of whom are really in great form right now. I don't know who or to keep out there. System. That's the thing. Like, what manager yeah. wants to go in and work with those players? I felt kind of bad. I mean, the quote of the weekend was easily Graham Potter has Chelsea playing a new pressing type of football deep right. Like hilarious. <laughs> but man, I was like, ah, that sucks for Graham Potter. <laughs> <laughs> he did not deserve a oh, roasting yeah, was, like uh, that. Peter Drury. Peter, 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 Drury. Peter Drury. Yeah. The literal goat of announcing. But really funny. But again, I'm like, oh, it's... They they made he's made Chelsea a slightly more likable club by being their manager, but also looks like they've been a little bit worse. Again, yeah. eighth place, and I look I look at Chelsea and of all of the big clubs, financially speaking, uh, success speaking, they do kind of seem like the club that would suffer the most from not finishing top four, from not finishing in a Champions League spot. A lot of players will depart; they'll have a little tough time bringing players in. So. Got a bunch of prima donnas over there. It's, it's also like, ownership. Not that Todd Bowley isn't experienced in sport ownership, but it's a different. He's a fucking wild card, it's, man. It's they just don't know different yeah. landscape. Different landscape. It's, it's to buy a, a club and country. then want to buy your own players in a sport that you're not familiar with. It's just never. They're in eighth yeah. place. He's like, we should do an all star game. And they're like, <laughs> we're in <an> eighth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, but all star game could fix it. <laughs> we get an all star game. This whole thing turns around. <laughs> Unbelievable. Thank you for joining the Howlers podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe. Don't forget to check out our link tree and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, and YouTube. See you all soon. Bye-bye.